Today we're going to change it up with the panel, and I'd like to invite my dear friends, Nathan Hardin, Mark Marquez, and Kevin Prosh. Come on up. Let's give them a hand clap. All right, well, welcome again. Today we're talking about worship, and you're going to hear from some fathers and pioneers and those that have been extremely loyal to my life in this house for a long time. Mark Marquez has been a worship leader for 18 years, and he's got an incredible story, too much to say right now, but uh, basically had a, a record deal with Nashville, was producing songs, producing albums, and due to a massive shift in his life, God pulled him out, or I would say God pulled you out and you pulled yourself out and ultimately took a few years off and then came to Rock City, got a lot of healing for a couple years. And Mark has been leading worship at Rock City for nearly seven years. Let's give him a hand clap for that. Seven years. Nathan Hardin has been playing music since he was five, led his first worship service at a youth camp at 12, plays a whole array of instruments, and Nathan has been a worship leader at Rock City for 10 years. Let's give him a hand clap. 10 years. Kevin Prosh has been leading worship since the beginning of time, <laughs> since the Stone Age. I'm a pup. He's just a pup, that's right. Um, Kevin has a lot of accomplishments. There's so many things he's done. He's also been through the fire more than, than we could even say. He's invested into our lives. God brought him here four years ago, and he's become a father to Nathan and Mark and the team. Much of what, where we're going and what you're seeing has been because of the deeper relationships that we have been building over the course of time. He has so much wisdom and insight and really has seen a lot of good and bad when it comes to the worship seen around America and the world for many, many, many years, all right? So today what we're going to do is I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to let them answer. I've done a lot of talking for five weeks, yes. right? And, uh, yes, a lot of talking. But it's been so good, right? No. Pretty good. Yeah, you're pretty good. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to ask, I'm going to ask some questions. I'd encourage you to take notes. This is a great opportunity for you to learn from some others, and I've poised these questions in a way that I believe is relevant to all of us, okay? First question, what is worship to you, and how would you advise the congregation to live a lifestyle of worship in their everyday life, and maybe consider sharing what it looks like for you in your everyday life? Well, for me, I wrote down what is worship to me, and I put worship to me as creation, it's grace, it's love, it's responsive, it's expression, it's presence, and experience, and being one with God, and one also with the people that are around you. Um, the other thing is, is that when I was a young believer, the devil used just to constantly beat me down and made me feel like that I, I wasn't praying enough, I wasn't worshiping enough. And uh, one day in my prayer room, I said, Lord, I long for you so bad. I just long for you, but 
feeding my family and getting up at four to go to work at that time and trying to do all this stuff, how do you expect me to worship you or get any time with you? And he says, son, you longed for it. And to long for the longing, this too is from me. That's very important to remember. And you're not going to always be, you know, G.I. Joe. Some people can do that. They got the root. Matter of fact, my routine is I get up and I roll out of bed. I pet my dogs first that are in bed with me. I roll out of bed. And then after I roll out of bed, I say, good morning, Lord. Almost every morning, I acknowledge him. And then I go to turn my computer on, which where my Bible is. And I pray, or I'll play a song or two, or I'll listen to a song. And the whole, the whole experience is, is about him. And uh, about two years ago, I started this thing where uh, I've got these rabbits in my yard that are always chasing each other around, trying to be intimate with each other. And uh, so I get down on my knees and look out at that little window with my dogs because they're wagging their tails wondering when I'm going to let them out <laughs> to chase the rabbits. And I got in this habit of just bowing and being still for a minute. And um, the Lord gave me a song, and I'll pass it on. He gave me a song, and um, it says, uh, Whoever heard of an army, O God, who conquered the earth, with weeping and mourning and brokenness. That's good. Um, better be good. I'll do, I'll do my best. Uh, worship in our daily lives. I, I think that Jordan touched on this the other day at the attending keep uh, at our volunteers meeting. And, you know, anything that is done as unto the Lord is an act of worship. And so if it doesn't matter if I'm mowing the lawn, if I'm doing my regular job, if I'm playing with my kids, if I'm up here leading a song or playing music, any of that done as, as unto the Lord, conscious effort that I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm doing this. I'm partnering with the fruit of the spirit is really what's happening. If I'm going to do something as unto the Lord, then I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to move through me while I do it. And I'll give you an example of not doing that. Last night I was working on, I've got all this, this great stuff, foam on my hands, and because I was working on a project uh, trying to fill a hole that rats are getting, getting into our attic. That's not true. I loaned you my chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's feisty this morning. Uh, um, I, I made a mess of it. It was very frustrating. I was getting really irritated, and I mean, I was just mad. Had I centered myself prior to starting the project and said, Lord, I'm going to partner with you and the fruit of the Spirit while I do this thing I really don't want to do, then that, that is a, one of the purest forms of worship. And, and I think that, you know, playing up here and, and leading you guys, uh, it's not a sacrifice to me. I enjoy it a lot. It's fun. And... Uh, if we're not careful, it'll even feed our egos. Um, that's easy to do for me because I enjoy that form of worship. 
Weed eating the yard is not something I enjoy <laughs> in a 105 degree heat index. So the sacrifice, the thing you don't want to do when you worship in that, I think that's the purest form of worship you could have. So, yeah. Let's go, brother. Um, I have, there was two different things. I said something slightly different in the last, but it's still similar. I think uh, it, it, it takes me back to where, where it was during uh, the hurricane that we had here. What was the hurricane called? Harvey, yeah. And we were helping Pastor David with some stuff at his coffee shops. I remember one time we were coming back and he said, we just need to stop. We used to stop and go, I'm going to go to this, my spot. And I was like, okay. And so I, I, I was still just started coming to the church. It wasn't really even singing or anything at the time. And, uh, and he just, he's like, we're just going to sit, sit with the Lord. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm thinking, so then what, right? Like, and what are we going to do? And he just pulled his truck in and he was sitting there and then he was, and I was like, Lord, what is going on? Like, he's just sitting there and he's, I mean, he's like in the third heaven having this experience and I'm sitting there like, we have so much to do. Like we literally, we had, we had his truck taking stuff back. They're waiting on us to drop off something at a storage. You know, I'm thinking of all these people, I'm thinking of work. I'm thinking of all this stuff, this stuff that's just crashing around me. And he's just like crying. I'm like, dude, let's go. Like I'm in my head and I find myself just frustrated. I'm like, what is he hearing? Cause I'm not hearing any of that. I'm not hearing anything. And I remember just looking out and I saw this herring just walking and I, and I, it's something about it struck my spirit and I saw the herring begin to walk and, and the Lord said, watch the, watch the herring. And I began to watch this herring, and he started frustrating me because he's just standing there, and all the other little birds are getting the fish. I'm like, look at the other fish. Look at the, look at the birds. They're doing it. And the herring just stood and was just watching. I was like, oh, my gosh, this bird's so dumb. And the Lord, I just felt the Lord say, just watch him. Just watch him. And I, I noticed something, and it was it's a two-part story because I went back later on after I, I got this revelation. I, I noticed that the herring was waiting, and he'd slowly put his mouth down, and he'd come up with a fish. And so I thought, mm, that's okay, yeah, slow down. I get it, God. And so um, a couple weeks later, I, I, you know, I'm trying to copy him. So I was like, I'm going to go and have that spiritual experience. And I go down there and nothing. I'm just there. I'm like, there's still nothing here. And I look out, and now I see a lot of the herring. And I see, and I, I don't know, I'm learning about fishing, and I see like these, this, these waves moving this way. And I'm like, why do they look like that? I'm like, oh, those are fish. Like they're actual little schools of fish moving. And, and the Lord said, the herring knows my pattern. And when he walks out on the water, he's not anxious or nervous. He goes because I've shown him and I've shown his father and I've shown his father. He goes, you didn't have a father to show you my pattern. So I'm going to send someone to show you my pattern. And, I, and, and it began a pursuit in my mind of, God, you're a God of patterns. And you have patterns in everything you say and do. And he's placed men in my life. So that, that, this isn't a father message, but it's, it's the, it goes to worship. If I wasn't willing to die to my frustrations and what I thought I should be doing at the time, then I would have missed an opportunity to see a pattern of the Lord. So worship is looking and recognize almost like a game, a very sweet game of hide and seek because God never, he's, he's always there. He's always available, but will we look, will we look for him? Or are we going to pursue him? And so that's what it is to me so far. That's so good. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of doing what you don't want to do, that's about a daily thing. And we should all understand that many times we have to make sacrifices of things that we don't want to do. Everything's a sacrifice. So if you think of worship in its purest sense, worship is creating an altar where a sacrifice can be made. So last 
a few days ago, I got invited down to the Yacht Club with my friend Dr. Terry, and Tom Schmidt was doing a presentation on this 100-plus foot sailing boat that he's looking to get to do training in the Caribbean for YWAM. And I did not want to go. I even tried to get out. I'm like, do I really need to be there? And Dr. Terry's like, yeah, you really need to be here. So I begrudgingly went there, even though I knew I was supposed to be there. I didn't want to go. And so I didn't get much quiet time that morning. I was wrangling up with kids and stuff. And when I finally got down there, I sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I had a profound encounter with the Lord. And all I could do was start crying. And I connected about 25 dots in the meeting. And I saw the fingerprints of God everywhere because I was willing to be obedient. And that's why I tell you guys, keep showing up. You know, it's one of the best advice I can give you is never give up. Don't be a quitter. Show up. And if it's not going to be here, go somewhere that is going to feed you. Go somewhere that you can encounter God, but keep showing up. And so I just, I love that so much. And the waiting. You know, how many times I've gone out to Port Aransas or the island because I have friends or we'll go to the beach or I have a business out in Port Aransas. I can't tell you how many times I'm late for a meeting or I'm rushing to get somewhere, and as I'm driving, I'll go past the beach exits along the way, and I'll hear the Lord say, are you going to pull over and spend time with me? And I'm like, no, I'm late. I've got to get to this meeting. Then the Lord's silent. I get to the next exit. The Lord's like, are you going to pull over? I'm like, Lord, now really? And I'll drive past it. By the time I get to the third one, the Lord's like, are you going to pull over? I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going to pull over. Because everything's a sacrifice, and you've got to make that time for him. So, all right, the next thing is, how can the worship team and the congregation enter into worship and praise together in a way where everyone is participating and engaged corporately? And I wrote this question because having been on worship teams now since I gave my life to the Lord, one of the things that I've seen so many times is where it feels like ice in here or, or the people come and no one's worshiping or engaging. And that, it's different for this house because we've created a culture of worship, right? But still, so many times it can be a struggle because the worship team's ready to really go and the congregation feels like they're not engaging. And so where I'm trying to go is how can we together as a congregation and a worship team partner with God to enter into worship? So let's pretend that Pastor David's not here for a moment. Let me talk to you just for a second. You know, he felt something in his heart on this whole revelation of worship because he's also aware of the times that we're entering into. And with all this woke crap and transgender crap that's going on, they have a strategy and they're, they are going to enter in the church. Whether it's sitting in the back row and praying to Satan while the worship is going on, whatever it is, I'm not talking conspiracy. It's a proven fact. They are developing a strategy. And there's an urgency that's in Pastor David's heart to bring us to a place because right now, most of us, all we know of worship is what we see on YouTube. And what you don't know, and because I counsel a lot of these worship leaders, can I tell you that over half of them that are writing those songs are gay or in a lesbian relationship? 
Those are the worship songs that you're listening to. Not to say that God can't use someone and bring them to a place of brokenness so they can repent. But we're in a crucial battle and we know nothing about warfare. We know nothing. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. And what do they do? They pull down strongholds. Worship is the lens to reveal strongholds in our community. And if we don't worship, there's nothing worse than you see someone, their husband and wife, they're at church, you know, and they're going hog wild, jumping around and dancing. And, and, just, and then, uh, and then that, uh, when they get home, it's like business as usual. Very few couples are crying out, praying in the spirit in the morning, or at least whenever they can, taking that opportunity. But what is getting ready to happen here is supernatural. And we don't look around, thank God for all the churches and the people that are coming, those that are building bigger churches and buildings than us. But the Bible says, they that compare them amongst themselves amongst themselves are not wise. We are not like any other church in the city. We're not like any other church in the nation. We are who God has called us to be. We are his particular frequency that he created. And our sound goes up to him. And that frequency fills up the bowls. And then he says, send those angels and send those warring angels down and change this situation. I think, uh, you know, you, you spoke about our sound and, and what we do here. I think we're, I don't think there's another church on the planet and definitely not in the United States that approaches worship the way we do. And I, I don't say that like a boast, but we're just that weird, like very, very different. Um, most churches have a planned set list. Most churches are playing songs written by, you know, other bands. And we do, we do cover songs. We did one today. Um, to come as a worship team with no set list and basically like, this is what we read in scripture. Here's a chord pattern. Let's go for it and see what the Lord does with it. That's, it's pretty radical. And for the congregation, for you guys, I realize it, it, this burdens me. It concerns me that oftentimes you're, I'd imagine you're kind of like, where, where are we going? What, what are we doing? Uh, because it's so different from what, a lot of other churches do and so I think as far as engagement goes we're not playing you know to, this isn't for entertainment we're not doing this so that we can worship and y'all can partic participate by spectation or by spectating uh, it's it's us together you are part of the worship team <laughs> it's not just who's up on stage that week and every single voice in this house is a uniquely created voice. There is, no, there is no other created being that can release the sound that you have. None. And when we all sing together, if any one of us is left out or does not participate, the sound that we're making is changed. It's different. It's altered. When all of us sing together in unison, 
whether you know we can sing well or not, the actual sound that's happening can only happen with us. And, and, you know, each Sunday when all the different churches play their songs and worship together, they're all creating a unique sound that goes up to heaven. Like, and the Lord tunes into that channel. Like, he's got a radio and he's listening to the different churches. Every song is going to be different. Every sound is going to be different. And when he, when he sees unity, that's where he tunes in. So if we, if we, if we could get the revelation that what I'm doing in the service during corporate worship affects everything just as much as if my guitar is out of tune or, you know, one week Mark's not here, we notice it, right? It's the same for you as far as the Lord is concerned. When you're not here, he notices. When you are here and you don't participate, he notices. And, you know, I'm not trying to, like, beat down, but if just 80% of us got this revelation that we are creating a moment of worship that is eternal. And 80% of us participated in that moment. It'll blow the roof off. And it's not, it's not going to be because we sound really good or that we made a really clever lyric or that the guitar solo was just smashing. That does help, yeah. <laughs> that does help. But it, it, more so beyond that, it is because we chose to create a moment of worship that is eternal together. And we all understood what we're doing, and we all participate. That's great, man. Um, I think how can we get engaged? How can we come together? It's, it's how we think. You know, um, when we come with, with judgment and false, false man-made expectations, it's going to limit you. And the challenge, it's going to limit us, me, all of us. It does it all across the board. It's not just you and me. It's all of us. It's possible for all of us. And so I always lean on, I think it's Philippians 4.8 um, as kind of my mind gate. Is this the voice of God or not? How many of you guys have ever wondered, like, is, do, am I hearing God's voice? Is it my voice? Is it whatever? You're right. So here, here's a little, here's a gate that I, it's, it's a, that I use to kind of let me know um, and kind of helps me reset in the midst of frustration. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so as you're walking into the church and you start to get that, well, I don't know if I fit in. Okay, let me go through my gate. Is this true? No, it's not true. Okay, so that's not God's voice, right? So I, I can shut it down right there, but it may be something else. You know, I don't really know how to sing. That may be true. Okay. Is it honorable? Mm, not in the kingdom. So it stops there. So, so if it can't make it past the test, it's not the voice of the Lord. And so as you walk in through the doors, what, is, what mindset are we having? Because we talk to ourselves constantly, and, and so much so the Lord can't get a word in. And, and I think that's the, you know, what, what Pastor what he was really talking about, and I hear his heart because I feel the same way. It's like if you'll just get up and move, motion creates emotion, move, change, do something different. You know, if you always sit in the back, sit in the front, move around. So that you can, so that the, the, the little way that your mind's working is just disrupted just enough, just enough. God just wants a little bit, right? And so I think it's it, one of the big things, too, it's something that Nathan and I talked about a long time ago, and I still stay with that, as, as this is like a big backyard barbecue. Some people are bringing food, and some people just coming for a plate, right? And, 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 the, and the, tr the truth is, is we look at those as negative things, like, oh, we're just coming for a plate. 
feed me, baby Christian. No, they need to eat too. It's okay that they're here, graduated Christian that's made it to the next level. Like, like yeah, yeah we know who we are. Like, but that's, it's, it's nonsense because when we stand before the Lord and we see each other, you know, we have to be, and we talked about it last, like, last service, we have to get an eternal mindset now. And so that means it's really difficult to be frustrated with your spouse. Because I look at my wife and sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, you're frustrating me. But I'm like, but I'm going to know you for eternity. That's going to be awkward if I, if I, if I say what I want to say now. And so, so my, my thought to you is, my, is, is this, and this is something the Lord has shown me. When we learn to die to the, to the urges and the, and the thoughts that have ran our lives, then we're open to what the Lord can say and do and move. And dancing around is not as crazy when, uh, when sitting in the back and stewing on. Not that anybody in the back is bad. That was my seat right there. That was you. Not that's bad. But sitting in the back and not engaging and, and you know, I don't really want to be here. Well, let's ask the questions why. and Let's start digging in. And, and here's the thing. My point back to saying the barbecue thing. Both plates are good. We all get to eat. It's a family barbecue. It's okay. I want to add, uh, it's short and sweet, but regarding to expression of worship, and this might be part of another question, but whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, if you're an abrasive person or you're very passive, regardless of who you are in that regard, never allow your personality type to be an excuse that, to, to not worship. Because some will say, well, I'm just, I don't, I'm not a dancer. I'm not expressive. Or someone might say, I'm, I'm like passionate and excited and I'm going to be crazy. Regardless of what camp you fall in, never allow that personality that the Lord gave you be an excuse not to worship. And I would just add, participate. Don't spectate. Worship's not a spectator sport. Okay? This is an entertainment Right? God wants an army, not an audience. So we've created an atmosphere here where it's not spectator. Now, some people coming for the first time or first few times, soaking it in, figuring it out, what's going on, people, somebody shouting, the flags, that somebody's laying it, whatever. And I get that. But we have to make a conscious decision to not be spectators and to not be consumer Christians. We're not coming here for us. We're coming here for him. And if we will just get those basic things, I don't care what you do, just participate. Maybe it's singing, kneeling, lifting your hands. Even if you're sitting in your chair, you can still be sitting and soaking in the presence of God and in your heart worshiping. So nobody should be judging anybody based on what they're doing. But worship looks like something. All right? Okay. Next question. It's very possible that we have some musicians that are here and more will be coming. We also have children that we're trying to raise up to be musicians. My kids take piano lessons, and my son wants to learn guitar, and I've been teaching them percussion. And so the question I have for these guys is, how can musicians or future musicians become a part of what God's doing at Rock City Church through music in the future? Well, I... I think, for example, um, I'm on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are, on the big screen. So I think that I, oh, this would be a good time for a joke. If you, if, you, if you probably 
suck at trumpet, that's the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about adding. How can we add? We can grow. So first off, a musician can become available. In other words, you'll go up to Mark or Nathan. And uh, second off, you know, make yourself available first off. And then after that, you practice your butt off. Practice, practice, practice. We see in Second Chronicles 25, we see the musicians that they were four appointed musicians, but all of them, it said, because they were skillful. And so the majority of the worship teams in America, it's gotten a lot better through the years, but the majority of the worship team is some guitar player, bass player, keyboard player. They don't practice ever at home. They know most of the songs by heart when they get up onto the stage. And so it's basically, for the most part, to be seen. And here, that's not going to fly because our standards are way much higher. It's not saying that you can't be on the worship team because you're not skillful. It's just saying, hey, you get interviewed. We go, you know what? You've got a little ways to go, and that means you have to be humble. You have to humble yourself and trust what the more skilled musicians are saying. That's a very important thing. The, the other thing that I would say is, um, with this time and season that we're in, if you don't have a prayer life, and if you're not reading the Word of God, Revelation... 90% of the time comes through worship and the Word of God. And we don't even know what a two-edged sword is. We don't know how to use it. We talk about it. We talk about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How do you put the axe in your hand? These supernatural things that God wants us to do. How do you make the axe head float? How do you throw salt in the water and turn the bitter water into sweet? These are things that we're called to, supernatural things. So that means, and you, people like to talk about it in a conversation, but they don't like to go home and practice. They don't use, use their imagination to learn how to see. Maybe you're not a seer, but if it's in your heart not to see or prophesy, 90% of the time, it's put there by God. And you work on it, and you practice your skill in the spirit. We get so caught up in just what's bowing us down because it's so hard in this life compared to the Neanderthals who just had to hunt and eat and make fire. And so we are going to the next level, and we welcome musicians and singers. Don't give up if you have an interview and... Someone on the team says, you know, you're getting there, but it's not quite there. Let that be an encouragement and say, okay, I'm going to work twice as hard. And you go, what's your practice regiment? Okay, I let mine go for almost seven years. Now I am back to a solid at least 30 minutes a day. And if you can only do 10 minutes a day, that's a good place to start. I'll keep it brief, but... Um 
I, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, conundrum when we talk about worship and we want, you know, everybody's a part of it, right? I just got done saying you all are part of the team just like I am. But then on the flip side, when it comes to recruiting band members or vocalists, it's one of the hardest conversations I have to have is when I have to tell someone they're not skilled enough to be on the team, especially when they really, really thought they were. And it's like, well, vocally, you're not able to do the things that are needed, like harmonizing, staying on key, pitch control, all breathing control, all the things that are necessary. And so, I mean, it's never a fun conversation, but we've had to have those. But I would say if you're a musician or a vocalist and you believe that you have a, a skill, but you're not sure, especially vocalists oftentimes are like, I think I'm good, but I don't know. Uh, come to us and we'll happily do an interview with you and allow you to sing with us and we'll tell you the truth, I promise. Um, and I'm and in love. And if you do have a skill and we say, hey, there, there's someone right now that is on the cusp of being able to join and begin singing with us because she's been practicing and we've had two different interviews with her and she was better the second time than the first time. And so if you get sent away with a not now or you need more practice, the logical thing is to practice. And I mean, we've spent hours and hours and hours, especially growing up on our, I would practice one to two hours a day when I was in high school. And that was necessary to, to learn to the degree that I play now. And, and I've actually recently begun practicing again because I got lazy, honestly. And I found myself in a rut where I'm playing a lot of the same stuff and nothing really new or interesting is coming out or creative uh, that I hadn't already played before. And so I've had to amp up, ramp up practice just so that I can create something new. I think that's really key is being able, like, if I can play three chords, I can worship to a song. Like, I can play a song. But when you learn that fourth chord, you've opened a door to do something new or different or more creative. And when you add that fifth chord and that sixth chord and you start to learn different melodies, you're, you're able to, the offering you're able to bring to the Lord is more interesting. And he loves it all, but it, it's good to be more interesting to him. <laughs> so. That's great, man. I think um, just real simple for me, it's skill set and revelation. Um, it, it, you're either, you're, it, it, can skills be learned? Absolutely. Um, you know, have, do you have a gifting f from, 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 you know, young age? Even, even better. However, the challenge is, is, you know, are you going to spend time in that place? Are you going to spend time uh, practicing? And, and, and we talk about practice. It's like, our, yeah, we're running scales and doing that. But also, like, taking that and opening the book of Psalms and saying, you know, Lord, what melody would you sing over this? And listening and hearing and, and asking for the revelation. And, and then ask, ask the Lord, what's your, what, how do you see me, God? How would I sing that? And begin to step out and just do it and sound crazy. You know, um, and, and when you apply that with skill set, something really unique happens. You know, Kevin had mentioned on this question last last service about Jehoshaphat sending out the musicians in front of the army. Well, you know who's in front of the musicians? The singers. He put the singers in front. And, and so you have to ask yourself, does my voice strike fear in the heart of the enemy? Or am I really just afraid and thinking about how I sing and worried and nervous and all those things are they, they they cause doubt. I wouldn't put that music that singer in the front 
You're going to get everybody killed. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to sound good. Well, those musicians had to practice to a point where it was, those musicians and, and vocalists had to practice to a point where it was precision, where it, it was in unison, and it struck fear in the heart of the enemy. And so um, I would challenge you, if, if, if you're a vocalist and you're like, I want to sing or a musician and I want to play, the, the way to put, the fear, put, put away a lot of those fears, it's real simple, just practice. And then the way to take it to, to another level is say, now, Lord, how do I take this skill set and apply it? You know, I think that's a lot of what happened within the, uh, the, the divinic nature. And we'll talk more about that when Kevin preaches, talks about that. But, um, you know, the, 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 the tabernacle of David, the, the teaching of the musicians, the training, um, the Asaphs, the ones that gathered and trained. Like, that's our responsibility in the house is to gather and train and equip. However, but it's you guys. It's, you're going to have to take out and do that work. You're gonna have to apply it, and it's not. It doesn't come easy. So, but it is definitely worth it. My fingers, you know, our fingers, our hands, or time, you know, just blood, sweat, and tears trying to perfect a craft, not for the sake of being great, but for for the sake of hearing the Holy Spirit and being able to move when He says go left, go right, go this way, go that way. If I don't know, if I only know three chords, and I'm stuck, you know, I have to learn and I have to grow. And there's areas I'm still working on and growing. So, we're always doing it. I'll just keep that mic for a second. Okay. So were you going to say something to that? Yeah. Okay. So um, I think of David in the field with the sheep playing his harp, learned before the Lord, God was watching, being faithful, probably right in the middle of him worshiping God with no one watching. Here comes the lion. Here comes the bear. He had to overcome lies, but he learned to worship no matter what his circumstance was. And I would just say that you know, there's so many of us here that feel like we're not musicians because we don't play an instrument. I'm going to reiterate my whole body and your whole body is an instrument. You are vibrating right now and you are always releasing a sound. Your thoughts, your actions, your hands, your feet, your mouth, it's all instruments. Yep. And if you could start to see yourself as an instrument, it doesn't matter whether you play a drum, a tambourine, a guitar, none of that matters. We're, God plays you. You are the instrument, right? So allow yourself to be played. He's the master conductor. So you've got to let yourself be in tune with him so you can play properly in the orchestra of corporate worship, all right? Where do you guys see worship going at Rock City? Like, I cast vision a lot. I want to see us write our own music. I want to see us sing the songs of the Lord, new songs. Where do you guys envision this church going in the future regarding worship? Yeah, um, you know, one of the most exciting things is, is obviously for, as a musician is to write music uh, and to do that. And I think um, the approach the Lord, I mean, Nathan and I could sit down and, and write songs all day long, something that we're passionate about, and we, we work very well together. However, what we do on Sunday, um, following that river and, and getting in that place is probably the most exciting thing for me um, because we just leave it there. And it, and it frustrates the mess out of those people like, we can record this and it can be. And I'm like, what if it's just that? What if it was just for that one person? Is that okay? Is that enough? And we have to come to a place where, is that enough? You know, are we trying to be Maverick City? No, Maverick City did great things. God did something through them and is doing a fantastic thing through them. That was their move. And I think the Lord is doing something unique here. Um, and it, it's not comparison. It's both and. You know, it's that and this. It, it is that and Chris Tomlin. It's that and Caleb. There's no better, worse, or it's all of them. I say that because he loves Chris Tomlin. But it's all, it's all of them. You know, it's all of it at one time. It's contemporary Christian music on a radio. It's following the river. There's no different in the two. There really isn't. 
They just crafted it in a studio. We listened to Holy Spirit and crafted it here. God's pleased with both if your heart's in the right position and your mind's in the right position. So I would say, where are we going? I don't know. <laughs> just like the, just like, I will be honest because I can, I can craft a really good plan. I can craft a roadmap. I can show us how to get record deals. I can talk to the right people. I can do all that. But I don't want to do that. I want God to, to lead this. And that's not an ulterior weird motive. That's not false humility. Just let the Lord do it, brother. No, I truly don't care. I just want to follow the Holy Spirit, whatever he says to do with some of my best friends in the world. And I love that. And then with the family here, and that's all we care. That's good, Mark. I want to win a Dove Award. That'd be cool. No, I'm kidding. That is the opposite today. Uh, (laughs) Um... I mean, I do hope that we get the chance to capture some of these moments that we've written and created because there's some, but one of the fun things about the way we've been doing worship this year. Yeah. That, okay. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Just waiting for, never mind. Never mind. Uh, one, one of the fun things is when we get up there, like today, I, sa- I sang from one, Psalm 139 and moments like that are what I love the most about what we do here because... I mean, I've, we've, we've all read Psalm 139. We, we're familiar with the scripture, but it hit different this morning for some reason, at least for me. And in those moments, we, it, it, it would be so much fun to be able to take that, capture it, record it, and make us, you know, so that we keep it and we were able to go back and revisit it. That would be cool. But to Mark's point also, what's the verse where we have to be careful not to make a uh, set up a tent where the Lord didn't say, stay here. Does that make sense? You know, when, when the transfiguration happened, the disciples were like, let's, let's stay on this for a long time. Let's not go to the next thing, which they, they, they had no idea what the next thing was. And if they did know, they definitely wouldn't want to wanted to leave. Uh, but don't, we don't want to build a tent where the Lord says, keep moving. But, um, <laughs> Regarding, oh, yeah, that was my bell. <laughs> Subtle, Jeff. <laughs> um, as far as the church, what my desire is, is what I was talking about earlier, where the, all of us collectively together c- capture the vision and the understand the revelation that we are creating a sound that cannot be done anywhere else in the universe, anywhere else in eternity. In a moment, we are creating a moment of worship. We're not just singing songs. We're not just making cool melodies. We are creating. And the Lord loves that. It's what he made us for. That's why we're here. And so if, if that revelation was caught by 80% or so of this family, then, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say, what, what, what more could we want? What, what, record an album? Who cares? Uh, Write a new hit song, who cares? Being able to create the sound that we were made to create together with 100% unity, that would be the end all for me. Yeah, that's good, Nathan. You told it just like I taught you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I don't know where we're going either, but, you know, we plan our way, but the Lord orders the steps, right? So, 
I wish we could all start thinking more spiritually minded. You got guys that come in here that work construction, women that are nurses, and they're, they're dedicated to their jobs, and yet they come to church and they want to hear the music, you know, and it sounds good. We've got excellent video, sound staff. Uh, thank you guys so much anyway. Really appreciate all that you do. Uh, and it's just we, we don't allow ourselves to get into the spirit. And you say, how do you get into the spirit? Well, I'm in. And now I'm out. It's a heart posture. And it's also a feeling. And when we come into this building, construction workers and nurses and all walks of life, lawyers and all of those things, when we come into this building, we need to begin to practice turning our feeler on. Because we can only worship in spirit. And on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. They that worship me worship in spirit and in truth. That means living a life that's not a lie and then worshiping in truth. So I do believe that is a good formula for God wants us to, to go. Construction workers, nurses, and attorneys, you come in and go, I'm not a musician. You know, I like to worship. It sounds good. But you're not thinking about the part that you must contribute to make this body function as a body. You're not the toe. I probably am. You're the brain. <laughs> One's the hand. One's the foot. It doesn't work unless it comes together. And what Pastor David is trying to do is desperately change the rudder of the ship to where we can all... Did anybody ever see Remember the Titans? Remember there when they did that warm-up for the first time? Hey, you know, they're doing their arms, you know, and the other team looked over and thought they were crazy. They tried something new. For an example, and I'll stop here. For example, in Ephesians, singing to one another songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. Well, in the tabernacle, in the old days, if you'll notice, everyone sat in a square or a circle so they could face each other, singing one to another. We don't do any of that. There's so much that we have to learn, and we're going to get there by the grace of God because he is our helper. Amen. Oh, Amen. God. That's right. You know, I would say, I first off, I want worship that pleases God, and I want a house that's a true house of God where sacrifices are made. Every priest taken from, a man, from men are chosen for a purpose. And that's to bring sacrifices to God. And this is a house that must be a sacrifice, a sacrificial house, which means it won't always be popular. I've already watched some people get up and leave. This doesn't excite. This isn't overly exciting. They're not getting a canned Sunday morning worship message. But so what? I'm building a house. 
And if you can't hear from the ones that are bringing the sound in the song and don't see the bigger picture, then you don't have to stay. But we're building a house. And I also, I already know, if we don't do the top worship songs and it's not canned and orchestrated and lights and sound, there are entire books of how to build and grow churches, all of which I just want to burn down. I have no interest. I didn't start this church for that purpose. We started this church because this is a house to bring spiritual sacrifices to the Lord and a house for his name. It's his house, not my house. This is his church, not my church. And we're trying new things and we're following the spirit to go where God wants us to do with design, with orchestration, with guide wires. It's not, a, it's not chaotic. It's not a free-for-all, but it's free in the Lord for all. So we're not loosey-goosey, but we're trusting God to get to do things we've never done before. It's actually orchestrated. It's, it's like a beautiful mess, and that's the way a garden is. If you look at a garden, I don't care how manicured and perfect you try to keep it, it's all, there's a messy component to a garden. And so I want more than anything to, for, the, for a place where God can enthrone himself, where he's pleased. We're, remember what I said last week, we don't worship for you to get here, we worship for God to get here. So we have to make it about him, not people. And it doesn't mean that I disregard people because I want people to enter in. But think about this. Not everyone wants to go up the mountain. Not everyone, when Moses got to Mount Sinai, would they say, you go for us. They were terrified to go up the mountain. And there are people that are terrified to get lost in worship. They're terrified to engage with the presence of God. They're terrified to do something that they've never done before. They're terrified of what other people are going to think and say about them. I get that. But what do we do? Not go up the mountain? So you have to find that balance. There'll always be people here that will leave early, don't enjoy the worship. They just want, that's always going, it's never going to stop. But that's okay. Because they're still a part of the tribe. They're still a part of Israel. And some people could be here for five, ten years before they finally climb the mountain. That's why I say keep coming. And don't let style and preference get in your way. Don't let what you think it should be get in the way. Do something. Participate. And so I want a house where God's happy and pleased and people make it about one thing and his presence shows up. Because I would die without the cloud of his presence. And I want that. And I don't want to be a cover band team, but sometimes there's cover songs from someone else or even hymns of old times that hit right at the right time by the Spirit. The song we sang today was so perfect. I wouldn't have changed today's worship set for anything. And then you went into the spontaneous and sang the song of the Lord that was so beautiful to me. And I'm not going to say I'm the gauge of all when it comes to worship, but I'm going to tell you I've been worshiping a long time. And if I can't come into my own house and encounter the presence of God and worship, I don't want to be here. I would say, too, that, like, just for example, today, Nathan and I didn't have anything yesterday. And, and uh, um, Evan, yeah, I don't remember which one it was. Evan, Evan had messaged Nathan. Our said, drummer. Our drummer, Evan, our drummer. Say, hey, what about this song? I just, the Lord's been telling me, I'm hearing that all week long. Or, and, so, and so Nathan's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, I was like, I feel that. That's awesome. Let's do it. 
And so, you know, the musicians are, it's not, it's not a Nathan and we don't run it that way. These guys are hearing from the Lord. They're coming. Dylan's practicing at home. He's hearing licks. He's hearing things. He's bringing, you know, runs that he's hearing God give him, you know, Matthew when he plays and our, all of it, our vocalists, Michaela, you know, Shannon, everyone, they come with, they're bringing something to the table. Everybody's got a side dish. I'm going back to barbecue because I'm hungry, but everyone's got a side dish. Yeah. So uh, it's really cool. It's, it's a community. So Let me cool. say something about songs. The right song at the right time is what matters. Doing a song just to do it, it because we're doing worship and going through the motions. You know, I've, I have hundreds and hundreds of sermons. I'll preach so many times in a year. And the Lord never lets me go back and re-preach a message the same way. And anytime I go, I'm like, I don't have anything this week. I'll just go pull up a message I did five years ago or two years ago. Or I'll go to a new conference and, and just make it easy. They've never heard it. I'll just re-preach. The Lord never lets me do that, right? He never lets me go back. But I can learn from other people. And, and I can take things from other people that are timeless. So some songs are timeless. Like there's a song that if we never sang it again, I would be okay with. You know what it is. It's, it's shout to the Lord. If you sing Next shout week. to the Lord, I might want to strangle you. But listen, if you sing shout to the Lord in the spirit at the right time, it's going to be the right song. I, it's still an incredible song, one of the greatest worship songs of all time. But it was so overdone, I must have done it a thousand times in church. And I can give you other songs that I'm like, please, please, if, if you sing... What's the John Mark kiss, sloppy wet kiss oh, song? Man. How many times have we sung, oh, how he loves not us? A, not enough. And then when you get stung, <laughs> stung, when you get in the song and you start singing, oh, it's like 45 times. How many times can we sing, oh, how he loves us? I'm so wore out. <laughs> but yet the song is one of the most timeless transformational songs. So sung at the right time. Is what I'm trying to get, which is why I've told, listen to this. I have told our worship team, no more set lists. Now, if God gives, you better know your music and have songs. So at the right time, you have an arsenal like today's song. Evan says yesterday, this song is feel like the Lord wants us to do it. And it was just a springboard to the more, but it hit, it hit right. So sing any of those songs at the right time, but by the spirit. But if you pre-decide, it's like going back and being nothing but a good cover band. And so, I like 80s cover bands, but not in church. I hate 80s music. So anyway. The best decade of music ever. Yeah. No, the 70s. Sorry. Y'all got bad taste. <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm saying, I'm going to say about, talk about the song. Amazing Grace was written almost 300 years ago. Do you know why it's still sung today? Is because the song is a person. And it, it's alive. And it wants to be sung. And it's knocking on someone's heart. Sing me again after 300 years later. That's amazing, isn't it? They're, the songs are alive. And listen, my favorite thing about leading worship is going up to the microphone or right before we get ready to pray, they go, what songs are we doing today? Well, I don't know. 
and then I'll step up to the microphone and I'll get a riff. Well, they have to learn the song on the spot because it's a spontaneous song. And the spontaneity, it's called Tehillah. There's all those words for praise, but there's only one that he inhabits. And that's the spontaneous song of the corporate body. And that's what the Tabernacle of David was about. Yeah, so good, man. Okay, um, just a couple more questions. Are you guys enjoying this? All right, good. Because you're going to get it anyway, whether you do or not. Um, I have a few more questions. Maybe we can rapid fire them. What do you do if somebody feels disconnected from God and they, they're disengaged or they feel that God's far from them and they haven't been worshiping and you, you know, you come in here, how can they reconnect with God in worship? Give us some simple, simple steps. Yeah. Somebody in here may feel far from God or disconnected in their worship. And even this conversation can be hard for them. Give us a practical tool or advice. Yeah. So I would say the key to that is two things, humility and repentance. So if you can humble yourself and repent of your non-worship, <laughs> like we, 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 we're really good at repenting for the things that humans all agree are wrong. And we oftentimes miss the things that are egregious to the Lord, but people are okay with. So, I mean, there, there are certain sins like murder. 10 out of 10 believers, non-believers, everybody agrees it's wrong. But n worshiping another idol, that's fair game for most. And so I think humbling yourself and saying, I know that my lack of worship is a sin against you, Lord, and then repenting of that. And then practically, I would say during, during musical worship, like what we do here, I would say do something physically different than you've done before. If you typically sit in the back, come to the front. If you're typically in the front, go sit in the back. If you typically raise one hand, raise two. Uh, if you've never knelt before, get on your face, like, Fully lay, lay on your face. And that act of, that is an act of humility because our pride is what keeps us from expressing physically. And I mentioned the, earlier about the personalities. Never let your personality type excuse you from participating in the worship of our Creator. And so that physical act, while it's not necessary in order to worship, it does kill our pride every time. And so that's why. Pastor David says to be expressive. And if you're an introverted person, you're like, oh, I don't really like to do that. And yeah, and the lie comes like, no, we don't have to do that in order to worship. But when we do it, it's killing our pride every time. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So th this comes to mind. You know, when you don't feel that God is near you and, you know, You've committed some sin, whether it's sexual, gossip, porn, whatever it is. And you come in and sit down, and you're just sitting there being down on yourself because you're not spiritual enough. This is a great verse, Hebrews 13, 15. When you can't, this is the prescription for when you feel like you can't praise him. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Mm -hmm. To God, 
This is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Also, Psalms 116, 17, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know, you'll find more breakthrough in your personal worship when you can get to a place of, and tell Him, Lord, you know I don't feel like this, but you are the God of all of the earth. You reign over hell. You reign over everything. Because I've got a problem, does it stop you from your rulership? I'm going to love you no matter what. And this is my sacrifice, my offering to you today, Lord. Mm, that's so good. I want to just add, you can do that because you know the Father is a good Father. And that He loves you no matter what. And if you're even being disciplined and you're going through something hard, you're a son or a daughter. You're never not a son or a daughter. Even if I'm manifesting and springs are popping and things are combusting, I know God's bringing it to the surface because he loves me. And so there's never a time, no matter what you've done or where you've been, that you can't re-engage with God. It's literally just make the decision. I'm re-engaging with the Lord and I'm not going to stop. And I don't care if it starts out with a half a hand. I don't care if you just could, just walking in here was an act of worship. The fact that you sat in this chair was an act of worship. The fact that when you didn't want to get out of bed and everything told you just watch from home, which I'm okay for y'all watching from home, but the point is when you made the decision to get in your car and drive here or even watch from home, you gave your time and your life as an act of worship. Stop believing the lies of the devil. You are a son and a daughter, and God is good. He's never not good. Ever. He's never not good. And because of that, you can keep worshiping. It, it's exa that's exactly right. I think, you know, we look, we look back at the garden. You know, we talked about a, the God, God being a God of patterns. Well, the enemy is also a father. He's a father of lies. And so he also knows patterns. And he also uses patterns. And I will say one of the things that we, we need to look at in, in, in Scripture in Genesis, when Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned, you know, we have this, this thought that now sin entered humanity and it's born in our DNA, all these things. The Bible actually never said that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to freak some people out. It never says that in the Hebrew, in, in all of Genesis. It actually says, people think, well, it was cast away from God's presence. No, they were thrown out of the garden. They were, they were, but the, God didn't leave them. And so for since the beginning, we have this mentality that somehow God has left me. Because I'm, I'm sinful. No, God can, God, if, if he, and we look at like Psalms, what Nathan sang today, if you can make your bed in hell and he's still there, that blows up all the scripture you had. That blows up all the weird religious stuff you might have had. What do you mean you're in hell with me? What does that mean? What does that mean, God? Like it'll mess you up, right? And so we have to get back to, you know, when, when you can't engage, well, well, what are you looking at? And I want to get to this point. Because when, when, the, when, the, when Adam and Eve sinned, God, what was God's first act? It was an act of benevolence. It was an act of kindness. You know what he did? He clothed them. He made clothes for them and clothed them. He, he didn't get away from, he didn't do, it was, it, you have to look at God through that lens. And so when, we, when we're in a place of, of, of brokenness and despair and destruction, what we do is we stare at our nakedness and we think we can't do that. We, oh, no, and God says, come here, I've, I've got clothes for that too. I've made clothes for you. I've done this. I'm not afraid. I have another plan. And we, we, it, it, that'll mess you up. 
we think it's this. No, God has four or five. I mean, we're talking multiverse makes the Avengers look like nothing. He's got multiple things he's got lined up, right? Because he loves us and because of his kindness. And so when we're coming in like, I can't engage, I can't engage. Stop looking at your nakedness. He's got clothes for you. He wants to wrap you in them because he's kind and he's merciful and he loves you. And so that's, that's one of the things that helps me because I get in that place. Is, is I'm, I'm, I'm judging myself. I'm looking at these things, and, and I get stuck. And, and the Lord said, just come here, man. I've, I've got a new shirt for you. I'm going to wrap you in some new clothes. And so that's always been the Father's posture since the very beginning all the way. And if you look at the pattern, you'll see it. He buried Moses. My gosh, like the God of the universe. He's going to cry. Wrapped him and buried him. He's so kind that he cares to that degree. Um, and so I would just tell you he loves you. Get your eyes off you if you can't believe it. Just And go back to, to Philippians. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it not? All right, then, then stop believing it. So, so Mark, I'll just ask this. What would you say to people that say, I don't need church to worship? Oh, my gosh. I just I don't need to come here. I, I just know. worship at home or on the beach or yeah, and it's ma- it's really just guys. I know that the guys that say that stuff. I just my, my my it's my things with my bow or I feel the Lord on the mountain. Be quiet. Like I get it, right? And I, and to some degree, is the Lord there? Absolutely. But if you don't have other Christ followers around you that you can look at and say, "Huh, oh Jeff, you struggle with that." Oh. Dude, this is what's processing in me. I don't know how to think. And Jeff may have got it. Like the revelation I have now, I didn't have that before coming to Rock City and the Lord revealing that through Pastor David. I would never have got that. And I told the Lord, I'll never go to church again. I'll never sing in a church. I'll never do that. Unless there's a real pastor that really just loves me and doesn't care what I can do. And that was the first thing he told me. He goes, I don't want you singing here. I love you for who you are. I don't care what you can do. I was like, oh, gosh. It's literally exactly what he said. You have to get in a community, and, 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 and you have to find brothers and sisters around you that you can be honest with and real with, because if you don't have that, it's, it's I mean, I've been in those situations before, too. You can still do church. You can still do what the American world calls a church. You can show up, sit in seats, sing great songs, give money, and whatever else they say you should do. But Or you can have community and give because your heart is being transformed and you can see lives change. You see your life change. You see, you know, the passion in our pastor, passion in people like, I can line this whole area up here, testimony after testimony, right over here, this side of people's lives being transformed and changed. We need this. There is no other way. So, and it's okay to be in the mountains sometimes too alone, but not all the time. All right. I would say anything that promotes or propagates hiding is a tactic of the enemy. So if it, if, if it, if it positions you to hide yourself from others and hide yourself from the Lord, which is what that is. It's, um, um, it's fear of accountability. It's fear of getting hurt. It's fear of, you know, what people are going to say or do. Um, and that's, I, especially it's, it's a vulnerability issue. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be seen. And anything that promotes hiding is a tactic of the enemy. The Lord wants us to walk in the light. And when you come into the light, the darkness becomes light. And, yeah, so. Well so the thing that comes to mind to me is Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake yourselves of assembling together. Don't forsake the assembly because, right, you've got the foot, the brain, the hand, the eyeball. When we come together, we're complete. We're complete. Some people say, well, I don't, I got some friend, some rogue prophet out there and 
on the back road and I can go and get words and we don't have to even worship at all. We can just prophesy to each other and I don't need the church. I've Shoot, I got 100,000 YouTube programs of preachers take my picks from anyone, but you're not amalgamated with them. You're not connected to them. You can't become who he spoke over you before he placed you in your mother's womb until you get into the place where you belong. And if it's in this church, great. And if it's not, get out and go somewhere else. Amen. All right. We're gonna I want Kevin to answer this last question, and then I'm going to have them pray over us before we go. This one is, is I want to close with you just answering this question. How is, how is worship warfare? How is it spiritual warfare to you? How's praise and worship a form of spiritual warfare? Well, that's, we could go on that subject all night. But how many of you know that in most situations, a situation that's talking about war, that involves war, prayer is not God's strategy. Prayer will not dismantle the enemy. Prayer gives you the strategy. Just like Mark was talking about. Jehoshaphat, you know, Second Chronicles 2014. They called out to the Lord. They were afraid. And they were scared. And when they called out to God, then Jehelaz, forget his name, but he began to prophesy. And the, let, and the Lord said, this is, this is not your battle. It's mine. And they had the nerve to go out there with a bunch of trumpets and drums and march in front of the, the army. And God delivered them all that day. And the whole reason behind the tabernacle of David, which we're going to get in one day, is because it's, uh, it's worship brings what the community needs the evil that's on the community so when woke or all the transgender they're welcome but they're not welcome with their junk that they're trying to place on the church but when we begin to praise and get into that worship then the prophets which more of you need to come forth and prophetesses the prophets will prophesy and then the the Prayer will come, and then the worship will come, and then the power of God will come, and the worship will explode, and that thing of evil will be revealed. The heart of evil will be revealed, and the heavens will open up, and God will say to the angels, you and you, and you and you, go down. Deal with this situation. Deal with this corruption. Deal with this all the crazy stuff that's happening in the earth. And warfare, uh, like we said earlier, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty. They pull down strongholds. What's a stronghold? How do you see a stronghold? You see it through worship and praise. And then the words come. The prophets prophesy. And then the songs come. The words to the songs come. And then we go off. And listen, it's it's some of this is uncomfortable for some of you you're you're used to the set list five songs you know one fast to maybe two fast you know a slow one and then oh, i need to pick me up help play another help me help me tune and so they play another worship song you know <laughs> and god wants to mix everything up in such a way that 
None of us know what's going to happen. And we're all following the cloud. It's uncomfortable at first. But don't judge it and don't say, this is weird. Just settle in and relax and release your own personal faith and let God reveal himself in all things through faith. That's so good. Thank you. Let's give him a hand clap. Let's all stand. Let's just take one moment before you go. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want you to to whisper or say this with me. Say, I am the strategy of God. I am God's strategy. I am a weapon through my worship, my praise, my sacrifice, my surrender. So, Father, we just lift up this house to you. Uh, I ask that you would grant us a love sickness that we have never experienced before. Make us sick for your love. Love sick people do not behave normally. That's a fact. There's... exuberant shouting and praises and wild dancing and God give these things to this body not just so we can say that we're different but so that we can lift you up Lord and you will you will be in your rightful place exalted above all over all of the earth king of kings and lord of lords thank you father Lord, we bless you. We thank you for this, for the Holy Spirit and the truth that you're teaching us and revealing to us. I pray that every heart in this house would grow in understanding and the revelation of how important it is to worship, how important it is to release the sound, our created purpose. I pray that you would continue to grow us in unity and love. And that it would be a pleasure to be here. And that you would delight in the songs that we sing. You would find an acceptable sacrifice of praise. It's not what you can do for us, Lord. It's not what you can do for us. It's what can we bring to you that is pleasing. Continue to tear down the idols in our hearts so that we can be found holy in your presence. Father, I thank you that you're touching the minds of every person in this room. That you're giving us heavenly minds. That we would see with eternal perspective. 
that we wouldn't wait for a funeral to say, hmm, I wonder what they're doing now, that we would rejoice that we're with you now as we are here on, heaven, on earth. I pray, God, that we would see God the way that you see us, and that we would see each other how you see us, that we would love how you love us. That will set us free, not only in this house, but in our families, around our dinner tables, around the lunchroom with our friends. Let our lives be a sacrifice to you, God. We want your kingdom, God, not our own. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Lord, I just pray that you'd never leave us the same, God. I don't want to stay the same. My home, my marriage, my kids, my life, the vision, everything, Lord. I give you permission. Not that you really needed it, Lord, but I say yes. Mess it up, shake it up. Shake us up like an Etch-a-Sketch and redraw and design what you want. Thank you, Lord, for a willing people, a humble people, a broken people, a desperate people, a band of outcasts, those that have been rejected, made mistakes, bombed it, and blew it. Thank you, Lord, that you are bringing together a body of believers that have stories, walk with a limp, and understand what it means to trust you and even wrestle with you. God, I thank you that this place is an altar. This whole property, Lord, it's all yours. All 4.4 all acres, take it all. Whatever you want to do, Lord, have your way. Whatever it looks like, have your way. We say yes, Lord. Bring a musical extravaganza to Rock City Church. Flip us upside down. Transform us to look like you, sound like you, act like you, and love like you. I speak healing to everybody here today who's battling addiction, fear, who's battling their flesh, all the struggles. Lord, covered under your blood, may we surrender it all. We surrender all to you, Lord. And I thank you, God, that our lives is a sacrifice, that our whole life is a worship to you. And I bless you all mightily as you go today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. I love you guys.